0: Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news.
1: You're listening to the Bloomberg Intelligence Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto with the Bloomberg Business App. Listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts or watch us live on YouTube.
2: Let's go from equities to the bond market. We got that revision of CPI. We got a lot of bond auctions this week. Everything seemed to be okay. We are, though, at year-to-date highs with some uh, of yields across the curve. So Ira Jersey, Bloomberg Intelligence, chief U.S. interest rate strategist, uh, joins us now. Okay, Ira, if you were to describe this week so far, how would you describe it?
3: Uh, choppy. Uh, it's just certainly, we see somewhat higher yields You know, uh, from the beginning of the week to now. But uh, when you look at the uh the preponderance of the data that we've received plus uh uh plus how the auctions went and and you saw that things were were pretty decent in terms of demand so these higher yields are starting to draw in some investors which leads us to believe that we're probably trying to find a range here for a lot of uh, places along the curve you know the 10-year somewhere broadly speaking between 380 and and four and a quarter um you know the, I, I suspect that until we get to at least the March uh fomc meeting that we might stay in that range so you have another month basically of just choppy trading so where are we
4: when you kind of talk to clients out there in terms of timing of a rate cut um march off the table um it seems like i hear now there's waffling on may that maybe people are pushing out to june what do you what do you see
3: Yeah, that's true. And then there's but there's another camp also that that suggests that maybe if the Federal Reserve doesn't uh, cut in March, which, you know, like you said, is certainly not priced in the market anymore as it as it used to be, um, that maybe the Federal Reserve will need to cut by 50 in, in May if they start. Right. So so there there's there's a lot of different camps right now and doesn't seem to be a whole lot of consensus which of course is what makes markets of course but the but but a lot of times there's there's certainly people leaning one way or the other as to you know whether or not there'll be a cut in may whether or not the and and then the the magnitude of that cut now is a discussion point among investors and 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 there's this feeling that the longer the fed waits the the more that they may have to cut later or that they might cut faster so the idea being that if they don't maybe go in a, a cut in either march or or May, that maybe in June they have to cut 50 basis points as a starting point. Um, I, I'm skeptical of that, and, and I actually think that the Federal Reserve would do well to give themselves optionality by uh, by cutting in May and then not maybe cutting in June, and that way thereafter, they can make a decision meeting by meeting. The, the, the problem is, is that markets always interpolate uh, and say, okay, well, if they're cutting in May, that means you're cutting every single meeting after that, and that's certainly not what the Federal Reserve would like to be priced into the market at this point
2: so we got choppy yields based on what you've seen today uh in the bond market sort of the setup does it make sense that you have equities at all-time highs i appreciate you're the bond guy but i i bet you have a view on this
3: well, you know, risk risk assets, I think, you know, there's a valuation metric and then also a growth metric, right? So so you have, you know, top line, bottom line, and then what people are willing to pay for their asset. I, I think that, that there's a lot of people, it seems like, at least to us, that there's still significant flows into, in, into, uh, into equities. And part of that is just, you know, fear of missing out, just people who think that they have to be invested. There's still, you know, there's this idea that, hey, savings is, has been exhausted and that that means the consumer is not going to be spending much as much but at the same time when you look at the the savings rate of the country we're still saving hundreds of billions of dollars a year right and that money has to go somewhere some of that's going to be invested in stocks some will go into savings and money market accounts and some will go into bonds obviously so but so so the mix of that savings and where it goes, I think matters. And just you know, people are return chasers, right? Particularly retail investors. So you know, they 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 open their year end statement and say, "Hey, stocks did great last year. I better buy stocks now." Um, that's not always the best decision, right? But that nonetheless that does create um, these meaningful flows. And then on the bond side of things, um, you know, with with the Federal Reserve uh, maybe not cutting as aggressively, uh, there has certainly been people rotating out of uh, out of some fixed income. Assets, particularly the front end of the yield curve, and you know maybe going the other direction now, um, and not necessarily being short, but but basically finding other alternatives. And and you look at money market funds. Money market uh, money market funds continue to have massive inflows, and now their assets under management are the highest ever once again.
2: Six, like yep. you look at the Over chart, trillion, yeah. it's so hard to see all the zeros because you're like, wait a second, <laughs> what's that? I mean, that's huge. Six trillion. Six trillion.
3: All right. So yeah, people keep people keep asking, Alex, you know, how how is the government funding all of these deficits? Well, it's right there because people putting money into money market funds just means that the government issues T-bills and money market funds buy them.
4: <laughs> all right. Lisa from uh, Upper Manhattan writes in and says, I have to ask about the auctions this week. How did they go? What, what did you learn?
3: Ah, uh, they went very well, surprisingly well, actually. what what we've seen the last few months uh, was you'd have one auction that would do well and then another auction would do poorly. Um, and you know where people basically pick their spots in in uh, you know where to invest in auctions. But this week's auctions, the three year note, the ten year note, and the thirty year bond, they all went fine. and and these were also larger auction sizes. Uh, the one that I was really worried about was the three-year auction, because that was uh, $2 billion larger than the, the month before. Um, and and that was the probably the weakest of the three. But people still wanted to buy duration. And I think part of that is endemic of, of the fact that we have higher yields now than we did a couple of weeks ago. So it was an, an easier way for people to start taking market risk instead of going into the open market and paying a bid offer, because at the auctions, you're basically buying on the bid side. So that's, uh, th- that's attractive for some investors. Investors and and it does seem like uh, you know it, uh, what we call indirect investors. So those are end users. Those are foreign portfolio investors or central banks or uh, or, or domestic investment funds. Um, they were big participants in this. So it, it, this wasn't driven by primary dealers. Um, this was really driven by end user investors uh, having pretty good demand.
2: Ira, uh, next week you get CPI Tuesday, uh, retail sales Thursday. Do you think any of this is really going to move the needle for you?
3: Well, maybe not in terms of the Federal Reserve, but I think it will give uh, some uh, some new information, obviously, as to maybe what the future path is. Um, uh, Again, like uh, you know, we're we're, now we're talking about May or June, and we're talking about you know 25 or 50, whenever the Federal Reserve does go. So these are always important numbers, and CPI is um, next to payrolls is now the number one. uh, uh, So it's payrolls and then CPI, then retail sales, in that order that the bond market cares about. And when you look at the the knee jerk reactions after the uh, after those those news releases that's when you see 10-year yields move the most one way or the other if you get a big surprise so you know ne- again next to payrolls next week's two numbers are really the the, the key for the market and, and maybe the market direction in the medium term
4: all right ira thanks so much uh, as always appreciate it ira jersey chief uh, u.s interest rate strategist for uh, bloomberg intelligence kind of getting a sense here we have some more data as you mentioned Alex, next week, but I'm just looking at the warp function. Uh, It's kind of 50 50 Mm. for a May uh, price cut. Um, And that, you know, it'd been well over 100% chance that there would be a May cut. You know, back in January, the market was discounting, hey, it's going to happen in in, uh, May. Now, a little
1: bit less so. You're listening to the Bloomberg Intelligence Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto with the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130.
2: Here's my question. Are you guys watching the Super Bowl? Have we confirmed this? Of course, yes. You're, well, obviously, Paul.
5: Yep. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I feel like I have no, to. No, I have to go to bed at like six thirty-seven yeah, o'clock. Yeah, gonna get to maybe, be maybe, here. maybe kick off. right? I'll just um, I'll record it on my VCR.
2: Okay. I think I have to watch VCR. it. VCR. Oh, wow. <laughs>
4: He's got his beta. beta yeah, max t- beta. Uh, that's not even a thing.
2: Uh, <laughs> I awesome. feel like I have to watch it to be able to have this conversation with you guys on be Monday. Be socially relevant. Ex- well, sure. I mean, am I socially relevant? I don't know. Do
1: you have a uh, Do you have a pick? No. No, not Do you that know far.
5: who's playing?
2: Yes, the 49ers and the Chiefs. Very good. Thank you. I think I have to go with the Chiefs because my daughter likes Taylor <laughs> oh, Swift. Oh Lord! <laughs> uh, but this leads me into the question of snacks,
6: yes. because Free I'm knows. not going to. As Free we
2: knows. know, I don't eat junk food, so I'm not going to be eating chicken I think wings. Look
4: at Lisa Mateo. This is just not. I'm our not going to drink
2: beer. I, I'm not gonna do those things. Oh, well, so really maybe if we had some, you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we have some prosecco and some hummus, okay. and some pita and maybe some cucumbers and carrots.
7: That's the food that's the, the where, Oscar, where in Brooklyn
3: that's the food the for the Oscar <laughs> party not the yeah. Super Bowl
2: but the, but I, I bet you I'm not the only one who's um. gonna have to be doing this which leads I think to Jen Bartas. okay let's
4: go to senior
2: there. retail staples and packaged food analyst Jen usually this conversation is chicken wings and beer and pizza and stuff is the conversation different this year?
7: Well, it's it's a little bit different in that snacks snacks are still a huge part of the Super Bowl, um, but because the viewership is going to be changing a little bit for this game, um, mostly due to that Taylor Swift um, impact <laughs> that you we were talking about, um, we may see a little bit of edging into slightly healthier snacks like popcorn or things like that versus just the pizza, you know, wings and uh, and uh, things like that. How big? I mean. It's just it's this
4: weekend. The two weeks has become so big, and if I'm the packaged goods companies, is it an important day for them to I don't you know push their product, promote their products, have people buy their product?
7: Yeah, it's it's important in in, in two respects. Um, the first is that the Super Bowl is the second biggest food holiday in the United States. Really? So in the week up to the Super Bowl, people will spend, according to our estimates, nine hundred and six million dollars in one week just on snacks. When it comes to food and beverage as as a whole, for the one week before the Super Bowl, $8.8 billion. So it is a meaningful, um, unofficial holiday for beverage and food companies, for sure.
2: This might be really off, but it's also the Lunar New Year, and I'm actually going to two parties over the weekend, which I don't go to parties, so this is actually a a moment for me. (laughs) No parties, Um, no
4: beer, no wings.
2: not selling myself. Boring.
1: Really
2: well. <laughs> Days of time spent on Expedia.com. Um, but Jen, is there like an overlap here? I mean, I, I appreciate that the food you might have for Lunar New Year is going to be different than the snacking you do for the Super Bowl. But is this like a moment for someone that's more, uh, I don't know, diversified to really capitalize?
7: Absolutely. Um, when you look at some of the packaged food companies, um, especially um, those that play in the confectionery space like Mondelez or Hershey, mm-hmm. Um, they actually tend to see a sales bump around Lunar New Year. So um, so you've got complimentary things happening. So between the Super Bowl and between the New Year, um, it could be a very, very nice little period for the packaged food companies um, and the retailers that sell those products. Um, but just remember, as we're going into earnings season, all of this is going to impact first quarter earnings, not fourth quarter earnings. Good
4: point. Jen has got, in her research note here, Jen has got, some data that just blows me away, I had no idea. The dollar share in the salty snacks category, PepsiCo leads the way with 60.8%. Number two, the private label group as a whole, 6.9%. Jen, what's, I mean, the salty snack business is PepsiCo. PepsiCo is the salty snacks business.
7: It really is. I mean, and and if you have to remember, PepsiCo owns Frito Lay, right? Yeah, um, So that. all yes. of those, you know, all you know, whether it's <laughs> your Lay's potato chips or Doritos, you know, all of those salty things um, are all part of that Pepsi uh, PepsiCo portfolio. Um, other players in the salty snacks category can also win. Uh, Kelanova owns Pringles. Um, you know, that's also a popular kind of game day. Pop it and eat it, kind of thing. Um, Hershey uh, has uh, popcorn brands, so you know. But by far, the dominant player is PepsiCo. Wow.
2: What's what's their growth rate? Because didn't they disappoint with earnings?
7: They did, but they disappointed in earnings on the beverage side of the business. Um, ah, okay. uh, volumes were down, and uh, you know, part of that was is um, just elevated input costs, um, especially in sweeteners. So,
4: talk to us. Let's step back. All right. So, Super Bowl is going to be big. People are going to go go crazy. Um, talk to us about the you know the supermarket business what's going on there these days
7: well you know with with regards to grocery um there's there's a couple of things that are happening so first is we've started to see food inflation come down um so that's actually good news for the consumer Um, and that's really being led by the grocers and so when the u.s goes through an inflationary period the grocers are one of the first retailer types that will actually bring prices down for consumers. Um, and so although there's been a lot of political buzz about food prices still being too high, um, you know, the inflation rate is coming down. We are starting to see prices come back down, um, but that's gonna present a unique challenge as the year goes on because if things cost less, if you're gonna maintain your top line growth, that means you have to sell more volume. Um, and so that dynamic between um, the price and volume is going to really be exacerbated this year as inflation starts to recede.
2: Can we go to Super Bowl ads? I know you went away from it for a second, but let's go back no. to the ads. So Bud Light. I mean, <laughs> was that the was the Super Bowl last year the one that had the disastrous ad? Uh, I don't remember. Uh,
7: well, it was. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't know if it was part of the Super Bowl, but it was. Um, it was. Uh, it was. It you know where they they kind of had that. Um, Yeah. The transgender or something. Transgender. Influencer.
2: Yeah. And that just really disrupted sales had a meaningful impact. What are we going to expect from like the retailers and the snack guys uh, with the ads? Like how kind of cautious are we going to see?
7: My guess is, um, you know, they'll probably be a little little bit more conservative um, in terms of. Um, broad appeal, right? Um, mm. And so, at the end of the day, you know, you pay a lot of money for a Super Bowl ad, and so you want it to resonate with as many people as possible and spur as many people to action uh, to buy your goods and services. And so, um, I think it's a reasonable assumption that there'll be kind of mainstream type of messages. Um, but of course, you know, 44% of people who tune in to the Super Bowl do it for the ads. Mm. Um, so <laughs> it's 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 a form of entertainment, um, and so I wouldn't expect anything too. serious
6: Start your journey at stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L dot com.
7: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
4: Yeah, and Bloomberg News had a story out today, just you know, saying how it's, um, you know, it's gonna be right down the middle of the fairway. Try not to get anybody upset. Try to make people feel good. Try to bridge some gaps, maybe. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But again, seven million dollars for a thirty-second spot is what's seven million
2: dollars for thirty-second spot. Yes. Wow. Yep.
4: Now, actually, it's little to no growth from last year. Uh, and hmm. I actually think people are going to get a great buy for that $7 million because it is going to have a better audience, I think better demographics, more women. Uh, than t- typical, and that makes it more valuable, in this my is, opinion. I know. The, exactly. I, I am case
2: am. in point. <laughs> you
4: are the case in point.
2: Right. Just get me some hummus ads. We're good.
4: <laughs> exactly. Jen and Bartaschus, thanks so much I for joining us. Jen Bartaschus, she covers all the consumer space for Bloomberg Intelligence, uh, doing a great job taking a look here at some of the package goods companies and, and kind of how they play, how important this Super Bowl Sunday is, um, and it's some big, big dollars out there. But again, I was just blown away by the fact that in the salty snacks category, um, PepsiCo Sixty percent of the market.
2: Are we all Frito lovers here? Like, is this Fritos. my takeaway from you Boom. guys? Like, yeah. the straight up, like straight Fritos? Up,
4: no, yeah, straight up Fritos. That's the go-to. Dude, di- can really? you can you can dip Fritos? You like? can, yeah,
2: yeah, sure. I can. mean, they're already made of garbage, right? So you can just dip them in anything. Yeah, exactly.
4: Sure, exactly. Yeah, I
2: mean, it's yeah. just preservatives and things.
4: Somebody around here likes the Cheez-Its, and that's a solid snack. But I'd have to go Fritos over Cheezits. its uh, what do you uh, wash it down with? Um, Budweiser in cans
2: really nice red wine <laughs> yes, no, exactly.
5: nice. dilute the taste no, a, a Barbaresco. Nice Pinot with uh, Fritos Aww. it's a great pairing no the house me. brew
4: oh. in the Sweeney no. estate is Budweiser in cans has to be
1: you're listening to the Bloomberg Intelligence Podcast catch us live weekdays at 10am Eastern on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto with the Bloomberg Business App mm-hmm. listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts or watch us live on YouTube
4: retail sales next week uh, and then we'll also start hearing getting the re- uh, earnings reports from some of the big retailers uh, so and we just heard from Jen Bartash that consumers are going to spend you know up to a billion dollars on salty snacks and stuff uh, for the Super Bowl I don't know how the consumers uh, do and I think it's pretty good shape. Let's check in with Jill Blanchard. She is the president of Enterprises Client Solutions. Uh, I'm sorry, her title, president of Enterprise Client Solutions. The name of the firm is Advantage Solutions. Jill, thanks so much for joining us here. Give us a sense of, I don't know, we come to the Super Bowl weekend, I guess consumers are buying stuff, but how's the consumer doing out there generally in terms of, uh, you know, going out there and buying stuff versus maybe buying experiences?
8: Yes, so first of all, um, hello and thank you for having me back. Really good question because we're really seeing a dichotomy out there. It's definitely tough for consumers. I I heard Jen say that uh, food inflation has cooled, which it has, but it's still up 25% since 2019 and that's six points higher than the average inflation. So consumers are uh, are both paring down to 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 spend less and find things that are more of uh, more value but at the same time looking for affordable indulgences. The Super Bowl is one of those. It is uh, akin to the next Thanksgiving where you've got herds of people that gather inside the home to do food, family, fun, football. I think that we saw that the uh, NRF Super Bowl surveys predicting a record number of Super Bowl sales. About 80% of that is food and beverage. So if you're selling those products, this could be a really good season.
2: And just for our uh, audience, Advantage Solutions, you basically talk to retailers and help them understand, say, inventory, if they have the right products on the shelves even if they're in store or online etc what did you tell people before the super bowl to stock up on
8: oh great question so a couple of pieces of advice that we put out there to both our manufacturers as well as our our retailer clients one is the recent trend that we saw and talked about last month sorry which is the um disproportionate spend that we're seeing in the two to three days that are leading up to key events. So for the Super Bowl, think today and tomorrow. So the retailers have to make sure that they um, have that inventory. The second thing is look for consumers to pare down to find value. So as it relates to Super Bowl, that's going to mean different things to different consumers. So that may be paring down from like a Wagyu beef to a prime rib. It could be from a prepared charcuterie (laughs) platter to one that you make yourself a big brand to a national brand. And of course, always looking for things on sale. Um, and then let's talk products. Here are what we think are going to be two of the surprises for Super Bowl. Uh, one is non-alcoholic beer and mocktails are having a really good day. Oh,
6: please. Uh, They're both big. Oh, they- oh. uh, I
8: see you. I see you. The- You're going lot- <laughs> to lose these two
2: guys on this one. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I heard the previous discussion about uh, red wine, beer, and Prosecco, uh, but uh, <laughs> NA beer and Mottails are having a pretty good day. Um, so we see those both cannibalizing some of the alcohol sales, but also adding to overall beverage sales. And then another uh, contender this year's private brand, 92% of consumers trust a private brand as much as a national brand. And it's a great way for consumers to pare down and get that value. So think snacks, uh, in- ingredients, appetizers. That's what, I have to admit, I'm
4: not a big shopper, but I noticed a change in my shopping habits for groceries during the pandemic when we were buying more stuff and prices were going up. I now go store brand probably mm. way more than half now. Mm. You know, it's it's only and, a few items. And why? And is it price? Cost. I okay. just figure it's just cost. I mean, it's materially lower. It is, yeah. Like 30 40% lower on some of these things. So... I don't know, but I mean, that a change in in behavior. So, I guess the question here is: We're going to get retail sales next week, um, and we're going to start hearing from some of the the retailers. But it appears, you know, that the consumers they have a job if they want them. Wages are going up. Is it fair to say that the consumer we should we should expect the consumer to continue to be fairly strong?
8: Oh boy, I think in the consumer packaged goods world, we're probably looking at flat for 2024. um, This is what most of the industry experts are saying. Manufacturers though, in the recent survey that we just did at Advantage, 80% of manufacturers are predicting growth based on new products and expanded distribution of current products. That could be a little too confident. They were also overconfident in their uh, holiday sales predictions. Retailers are uh, less confident with about half of retailers predicting mild growth. Uh, So we'll see how it plays out. Consumers, you know, as I said before, are still in a pretty tough place. The uh, overall confidence in their ability to afford everyday life has gone down 20 points from uh, 60% to 40% since uh, 2019. So this will definitely have an effect on 24 sales and volume.
2: What are you telling them about inventories? Um, are we going to be question. in a world where, I guess I'm talking more with, say, clothing, electronics, maybe, rather than food. Is it going to be like a just-in-time inventory? Or wh- what are you telling them?
8: Inventory is a really tricky proposition right now. You've got a lot of retailers trying to reduce inventory, which is a risky game to play. There are benefits to doing that, but there are also challenges in that if there's, I mean, take the recent social media runs. I mean, don't get me going on the Stanley Cup, but there are <laughs> there are runs on products which could be driven by social media, could be driven by a, a strong marketing program, and oftentimes. And also, don't forget the uh, disproportionate of sales, the two to three days before the key events. Many retailers got caught in Thanksgiving and, and had to adjust for uh, Christmas because they didn't have the inventory. So it's a bit of a it's it's a it, it's a bit of a risk. It's got uh, upside. It's got downside.
4: Are there enough chickens out there for the chicken wing
8: demand? Oh, no. Good question. Did you guys, did you see that the uh, National Chicken Council uh, last year said that there were enough chicken wings consumed last year during Super Bowl for every person in the country to have four? So I'm not sure who (laughs) had my four, but... Somebody's having a lot of
4: wings. And I remember, I mean, there was a time, I can't remember it was last year the year before, where it was kind of kind of in a pandemic area that there weren't enough chickens because they had some true. diseases mm-hmm. and something like that. So there was, the price of the chicken flu. wings were higher.
2: Yeah, yeah they had flu. It's a real thing. I have to have a confession.
5: Oh, no. Here we go. No. <laughs> She's like, hummus wings. Yes.
2: <laughs> I don't like chicken wings. I like the sauces
8: on chicken wings.
2: Okay, it's
4: just, so someone can have just like the four. wing itself.
8: Just the wing, it doesn't do somebody's it. Having, somebody's <laughs> having both our wings, because Some... four wings per person just seems mind-boggling. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> Very good. All right, Jill, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Jill Blanchard, a president of Enterprise Client Solutions. The name of the firm is Advantage Solutions. We're learning so much, aren't we, John?
5: Um,
2: I know, and I'm just like pouring it out. Like, her, maybe we
5: know so. not to go to her, her house, house for exactly. a party.
4: Or bring our own, I think, hey, is probably. I bake.
5: You bake.
2: I bake with like real fat and stuff
1: okay but no sugar
2: no with real (laughs) sugar like i actually tried to bake without sugar and do like some fig paste instead it didn't work out so i i I cook with (laughs) lard and cook with you know i'll bring something in and it'll be a nice moment for us
4: all right we'll we'll look, look forward to that
1: you're listening to the bloomberg intelligence podcast Catch us live weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto with the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130.
4: All right, it is Super Bowl Sunday. We cover this story uh, from the business perspective. And you know why we do that? Because we have a podcast Business of Sports, hosted by the Scarlet Foo of Bloomberg News, Michael Barr and Damien Sassauer. Damien Sassauer, Bloomberg Intelligence, Michael Barr, Bloomberg uh, News as well. Michael Barr and Damien Sassauer join us here in studio. This, I okay, mean, this,
2: hold on, this is my first moment with Michael Barr on um, set ever. Oh,
4: really? Yes. Really? Oh, this is and big. And Michael
2: Barr talking is my most favorite thing. There oh. you go.
4: <laughs> Hi, Ellie. Hi. <laughs> this feels really
2: exciting for me. Damien,
4: okay.
9: a- a- how big is the business of the Super Bowl. It's only as big as Michael Barr's voice will allow it to be. I mean, that baritone voice, it draws in all the greatest guests we had on our show this week, the presidents for the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs and we had the CEO of BetMGM. You know what they all said? It's going to be a huge Super Bowl. I'm talking like the Mount mount being bet on this Super Bowl is going to be something on the order of $24 billion. That's a 33% increase over last year alone. Isn't that right, Michael Barr?
5: And they're betting on everything. The color of the Gatorade, the length of the national anthem. How many? Now you got Taylor Swift shore, cry? Yeah, but you got to see how many times Taylor Swift is going to be on TV. I mean, no, wait, you can bet if, on everything.
2: Can't you bet somewhere about if Taylor Swift will cry? Like, it's is that legal or not? The tear
9: has to drip below the halfway point of her cheek and yeah. her. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I don't exactly. know how do you say. How can you tell? No, I, but, but I think the, that the that answer one is, is
4: there is, are prop bets like that. Yes. They're Called prop bets, and the prop bets are on. You can find them in any sports book. You can find them at the online uh, online gambling. Site. Absolutely, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars—you name it, bets. they're
9: all carrying it. But I think most of their prop bets are the ones that you find are related to the actual outcome of the game. <laughs> some of the things we're talking about are—I I think you have to fake. bet through an. Oh yeah, like some. Panamanian, you know, website that will take your bet and never pay you out. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, look, they've got, I mean, the real story this year is going to be the comeback for advertising, right? Because, yes. you know, we don't have cryptocurrencies anymore, you know? Um, you know, I, apparently the biggest sector that's going to be kind of, you know, advertising during this Super Bowl, at least in terms of an increase, is going to be candy, sweets, and cookies. That's so right. Oreo, Reese's, uh, you know, coming. you're very interested in that. Michael I want Bush. to
5: see that. I, I miss the Clydesdale. They <laughs> yeah. were, yeah, Budweiser, they, to me, they have always had the most iconic commercials. Yep, And I want to see that. Yeah. By the way, just a heads up, uh, there is also a bet if Travis Kelsey will propose to Taylor <gasps> Swift oh my if God. they win. And then there's a little, I think the Chapel of the Flowers or whatever it is, on the strip says, look, if they do it, you can come in for free for the wedding. <laughs> and then they said, well, you know, if you pass, anybody named Travis and Taylor coming in, you'll get a free wedding.
4: I- what are the experts saying about the game? I mean, it's only a one-and-a-half-point spread, so I guess everybody's expecting it to be a competitive game.
9: Well, I mean, I think from that perspective, you know, it comes down to defense, but, you know, and both defenses are overshadowed by their incredible offenses this year, so it's difficult to tell. I think, you know, it's very difficult, even though the Chiefs are getting a point-and-a-half call at two points. I mean, to bet against Patrick Mahomes, and I mean, to actually get points and do it is pretty unbelievable. But I mean, I think, I think really, you know, it's about, you know, stopping, um, it's going to be about stopping, uh, you know, the San Francisco run game. I mean, if they can manage to stop that run game and force Brock Purdy to pass, I think the 49ers have a legitimate chance here. Alex, I'm sorry, the Kansas City Chiefs.
5: <laughs> Talk to me one day, little, little birdie in the degenerate mm-hmm. newsman's ear. 47 and a half, the last time I had seen the over and under. And we also had an interview with uh, Amy Trask, who is in the front office with the then Oakland Raiders. And I thought this was going to be a, a high scoring, yeah. highfalutin game. No, she said th- this is going to be a defensive struggle. So don't be surprised if it goes under.
2: So, Scarlett Fu and I are very similar, okay? We're we're, we're kind of both really anal, we like prepping, we, we have a similar taste in most everything except for sports because I know nothing about sports. So, let's pretend I go to a Super Bowl party, okay? Uh, and I yeah. have to say smart things. What What am I saying?
9: Um, You want me to take this one, uh, Michael Barr? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what you want to talk about. You want to talk about Halo Glow Liquid Filter. Else ad is going to take over during uh, some of the commercials. I think also, this is an important point. You know, Paul and I were talking about this. The female audience, not just due to Taylor Swift, but just generally speaking for the Super Bowl last year alone was 47% female. Now you've got Taylor Swift. So you have advertisers. Me? Dove. Yeah, you. you. They're talking to you, Alex. I I mean, they want you to, you know, basically buy the ice cream brand, you know, Drumstick, You know, they want you to shop at Etsy and, and, and
5: eat Lindt chocolates, you know, like Kelsey's wife does. I don't know. <laughs> I, will, so, I, mean, I will do
9: that. I mean, that's that's kind of what they want from
5: you. I know we're running out of time soon, but I, I just, to get pumped up for this, I had to watch some old clips of the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> and this was on the old Monday Night Football. This is 1976. I don't want to give away my age that I was 12 years old then, but I just did. <laughs> and and here it is. Here's Alex Karras in the opening, and he's sm- smoking a cigar as he's talking to Howard Cosell. Yep. And I'm like, oh, man, what happened to this era, man? <laughs> yeah, this is been, great. Now,
6: Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients.
4: Sportacoke.com, which are some uh, Bloomberg News alumni, uh, they have a good story out. Purdy, the uh, the QB for San Francisco, he may be the cheapest
6: QB ever. For now, right? But
4: for now? For now, exactly right. Wait till tomorrow or Monday? They're not paying
6: him.
9: (laughs) Well, that's I mean, I mean, I mean, let's. I mean, I mean, that's a great stat. I mean, let's just think about the numbers. Mahomes makes thirty-six million dollars. He's seventeen percent of yeah. Kansas City salary cap. Brock oh, Purdy is only zero point three seven percent of the forty nine salary cap. What an investment,
5: Mister Irrelevant. Jeez. I mean, that's to me that is the biggest
9: Wasn't story he of the last Super
8: one Bowl. Picked? He yes. was the last
5: one picked. Very good, Alex. See? That's yeah. what you go and you take to the party. Now, now like- Paul Sweeney,
9: some trivia for you. Who was the previous cheapest quarterback to play in the Super Bowl and win? Oh. It's a good one it's an easy one it's right there in front of you oh tom brady 2002 oh really? right There's yeah oh, there you oh, go 0.46 the, the percent uh, of the salary cut. that was his first year when first uh year. when the jets knocked out uh bledsoe and uh, all right so you
4: guys are the experts michael barr what is
5: your pick here i am picked uh, because my wife is listening and is a diehard 49ers fan uh pud i think is going to be san francisco 21 and I think it's going to be the Chiefs' 17. Interesting.
4: Okay. okay.
9: I mean, I look, I'm going to be rooting for San Francisco, but if I were a betting man, I would not be betting against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'd probably take the points and uh, – and probably take the over there, maybe parlay no. it a little bit, maybe you know play.
4: Are you going to have a little an app on your phone that will allow you to do just that? Uh, I mean, I don't gamble, Paul. You you know, know, I'm an investor. Man. I'm
9: a risk-adjusted investor. You know, me emerging markets, yes. fixed income. So you know, I'm not really a big gambler, but I'm sure I'll get a box or two at, at
5: the at the Super Bowl yeah, party on you Sunday. You don't have to go to your app if you want to make this bet. <laughs> oh,
9: yeah. oh, oh here geez. we go so we got a market here we got it
2: happening right in front of us he's, still upset, he's still upset because
9: he's still upset because I beat him in fantasy
5: oh and he beat the <laughs> stew out of me in fantasy too <laughs> all
9: right folks check out the the podcast
4: Business of Sports, hosted by Scarlett Flew, Bloomberg uh, Television, Michael Barr, uh, Bloomberg News, and Damien Sassau, Bloomberg Intelligence. They host that is it come out weekly, gents? Yeah. Gents. yeah okay, weekly. That's, a, that's a weekly, and they get some great guests. You had the, you just heard here some of the uh, leaders in the NFL this week, so they get some great guests
1: in the business of sports, is that's how we do it here. This is the Bloomberg Intelligence Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Listen live each weekday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also watch us live every weekday on YouTube and always on the Bloomberg Terminal.